0: This is KCLR's Bottom Line
1: with John Purcell.
0: Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the city's largest independent accountancy practice. www.onf.ie.
2: Hello, good morning, and welcome to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. Thanks to John Walsh for the last two hours of music, chat, and a bit of commentary. I'm John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock this morning with lots and lots of interesting business stories. There's been lots of innovation and reinvention over the last three months of lockdown, and we'll be talking about just some of it. We'll be hearing from a Carlock company who've developed wearable technology to help ensure social distancing and contact tracing. Brian Kelly of Kilkenny company Mind a Client will be telling us about their new product, designed to help companies get the most out of remote working rsvp businesswoman of the month for may local woman kira herity will be telling us about her new website lovegreen.ie launched during the pandemic while john duggan of loan a fast-growing local fintech company will be with us to tell us about their latest innovation which is sure to make dealing with the paperwork of loan applications a whole lot simpler we'll also be hearing about a new company called the will which is also a local business uh, developing but first samantha mccochran is the business editor of the sunday independent she joins me on the line congratulations amanda during the week you got a an award at the justice media awards uh, for your work okay. on looking at the growing role of ireland in policing social media across europe well done
3: Thanks, yeah, I got a merit award, so I was very happy in my lockdown to get some little bit of good news, I have
2: to say. Yeah, it's a big issue, uh, really, social media. We've been covering it on this show over recent months um, and uh, some big developments.
3: Yeah, well, money talks and um, advertisers were getting pretty cross with Facebook uh, for not tackling some of the issues that, you know, have been very relevant in the the Trump presidency, swing to the right, uh, misinformation in general, but also then just some of the the racial issues and, and, and subgroups talking about um, issues and making comments about things that weren't necessarily true Uh, so, so Facebook's been quite slow to tackle this. Twitter was much more proactive and as we saw was flagging some of President Trump's tweets uh, and not not to his uh, to his who's pretty unhappy about it. Uh, so basically, um, advertisers, really big advertisers like Unilever, which owns loads of everyday products, and Coca Cola, uh, were saying that they would not advertise with Facebook if they didn't tackle some of the misinformation and incendiary kind of commentary on the on um, platform. Facebook generally has been hands off and has been to blame to some extent. Some would say for the rise of kind of. Uh, you know far right and incorrect information circulating they caved last night basically saying that they would flag material that was questionable um there are you know some people would say that's not far enough but it is a step uh but very much driven by commercial interests rather than anything more um moral than that, I
2: suppose. Yeah, and we had Garrett lamb who's the head of Facebook in Ireland, and in, indeed across Europe on the show a couple of weeks ago, and he was more or less saying, "Look, it's not nothing to do with us. We are not publishers. We don't make editorial uh, decisions, um, and and we tag stuff uh, that is inaccurate." But uh, it's up to notch now. We had Michael O'Keefe from the Broadcasting Authority on last week. Um, regulation of some sort is coming because it, it's a totally unequal playing field like we're strongly regulated and uh, newspapers are subject to laws but facebook and, and twitter a bit out on their own
3: yeah absolutely it's a bit like the wild west and, and nobody really knows where to start or how how we can really uh sort of rein in some of the more unsavoury aspects of social media. So there is some, um, the EU basically last in the last couple of years came together and want to regulate video content. So that's um, one aspect that Ireland will play a key role in. The Broadcasting Authority regulates radio and TV, so broadcasting material. They've decided now in the EU that broadcasting material, videos online is basically under that remit so because uh, a lot of the big social media companies have their European uh, EMA Europe, Middle East etc. Headquarters are in Ireland, uh, the Irish Broadcasting Authority is going to have a huge role to play in regulating it. Now that's all very well um, just a mammoth task and and, and you know this an endless piece of information and, and material online. So where they start is going to be a challenge and how well funded they are is going to be a huge thing. There's going to be other priorities for our government in the next uh, next few years. So it's going to be a big task. All of Europe is really looking at Ireland to see how it starts to tackle social media regulation.
2: Yeah, because we sometimes don't realise like Gareth Lamb is head of Facebook, WhatsApp and Instagram in EMEA, yeah. as you say, which is Europe, the Middle East and Africa, I think, um, which, which yeah. it's, it's just beyond nearly imagining for the type of a country like yes. Europe and a small organisation like the BAI.
3: Well that's it see I mean like we um, uh, what I was writing about and what got the award was the fact that we, we kind of opened our arms to all these uh, social media giants and they've, they've employed fantastic numbers very well paid jobs it's been a very enriching uh, kind of development for our economy uh, and arguably, you know, society as well, lots of well-off people and around the place thanks to the social media companies. But the downside of that, and we're just really getting to, to grips with that now, is because they're based here, Ireland's going to have a much greater role in dealing with them and tackling them than they would if they were based somewhere else. So it's sort of a poison chalice in a way or a mixed blessing because we've we've benefited, reaped the rewards for so long, but now we may have this extra responsibility. And, like, it's really... It's going to be very, very difficult. I don't know... There's been some voluntary regulation uh, that the BAI kind of had a role in recently to see how they would deal with, um, you know, sort of misinformation, fake news. Uh, And, uh, you know, it was very mixed success. So... it's going to be a a balancing act because the B isn't known for being very heavy-handed with regulation. Um, You might think differently, but looking from the outside in, they might, they've been seen to be, you know, fairly, not light touch, but not too heavy. They will need to be fairly tough for these social media
2: groups to get yeah. something under control. Moving on, uh, Samantha, um, talking about putting your arms around social media. Uh, over the last couple of months, the world, the business world, you know, people in their off time have really embraced kind of virtual meetings and Zoom calls and all these different things. Um, an interesting story that you're covering in the Sunday Independent about a kind of a, a virtual call where all didn't go exactly to plan, it seems...
3: Yeah, it, this is a company called uh, IPL Plastics. It was known as 151. It has about 2,000 Irish shareholders. And um, there's always been a little bit of controversy and, you know, roused there with kind of well-known business people. Uh, the latest uh, development was with Noel Smith. He's a well-known um, a solicitor and property de- developer. And uh, they were waiting, him and some people were waiting for the AGM to voice some unhappiness with the company. Um, uh, according to the Irish Times, and this week, he was sitting there waiting to press his button and make his uh, complaints known to the chairman at the AGM and lo and behold the buttons didn't work on the phone. So he was very frustrated, um, you, you know it's, it can be kind of nearly, the only time a lot of shareholders get to really put their views in, into the public sphere when the buttons don't work, that's the end of that so he's making complaints, the company's actually listed in, in Canada now and he's going to make complaints to the regulator over there about that.
2: And it, and it would be likely really that there'd be a lot of uh, you know, kind of um, steep and stiff and you know uh, very detailed rules required to um uh, to regulate that area talking about it you know maybe agms that are going to be virtual will need um it requirements minimum it requirements
3: yeah i mean i think like uh anyone who's been um in any type of meeting over the last few months and nearly anyone in business has will have seen the limitations so it's fine when it's just a meeting to catch up or to discuss things and you can redial back in or whatever but yes like if there is some uh, regu- regulatory element and there is you know it are issues like shareholder rights and you know just in, you know even in in hr issues the ability of people to speak and raise their points of view that there may be fallout if there isn't an ability to actually jump in on the message or in the meeting. But, I mean, you know, you're dealing with so many different variables, like what kind of PC do you have? What kind of phone do you have? What's your line like? What's your broadband like? So it's going to be a whole new uh, world of pain there for regulation <laughs> on that front.
2: Love it. World of pain. Um, listen, <laughs> um, there was a, a story that's been kind of bubbling along over the last couple of weeks on the international business Um News really, and it's about Wirecard, and it's about 1.9 billion in escrow in in faraway accounts gone missing, and a German founder resigning and then been arrested, and all that. It's going to really have repercussions. Um, uh, this is Wirecard we're talking about. It's going to have repercussions in Ireland. It seems.
3: Yeah, absolutely. This is a big uh, FT Financial Times story that they really broke about how uh, money was just not, <laughs> didn't exist in this uh, darling of the uh, German stock exchange. Basically, last night, it just uh, broke that OnPost has um, currency cards with Wirecard that use Wirecard's uh, technology, and they have suspended those cards. So around 50,000 uh, of OnPost's currency cards are in issue at the moment, Um there basically, you're going to um, America. You're going to, you know, Thailand. You're going to UK. You get your card. You top it up with like, you know, five hundred euros worth of. Sterling, and then you can spend it and, and keep the card and keep spending it every time you travel to the UK or wherever. Those cards are suspended now. Apparently, about twenty percent of them—that's ten thousand—have a decent amount of money on them, and uh, the rest might be just have like a five or ten euro left over from your travels. But they just don't work now. So that's quite a significant impact for um Irish people. I mean, the, uh, you know, sorry to say, but. It, Covid was a positive on this one because normally you would have thousands and thousands of people travelling around the world using these cards. The only good side is they're not actually travelling at the moment so there mightn't mightn't be as much of an impact but it is a very real um, uh, result of what's happening in in Germany really and I'd imagine there'll be more to follow in terms of actually impacting on people's Bank balances
2: and credit cards, etc. Yeah, so it's that's a very slow burn story because it starts off with something in the pages of the Financial Times about some guy Mm. over in Switzerland, um, you know, resigning from his post. Then turns into a criminal investigation. Then I think the company's gone into receivership or administration, suspended its technology, and then the house of cards starts falling down. Yeah, and I
3: mean, um, like I think they're talking already that it owes, you know, three, four billion euros it's going to have to rinse itself through the system and a lot of very prominent um digital and uh platforms have used this technology We'll we have a bit more on it tomorrow there is an irish connection to it um there was an irish office here and you know the thing about this business is it only employed a handful of people in all these foreign offices i've had for ireland not so much but in places like singapore where loads of money was supposed to be made um, it all doesn't seem, it doesn't stack up at all. There's like one office that was supposed to be a key international office was sharing its little office with a tourism business and hmm. um, a tour company. So, like, you know. This is just a, a, a can of worms. It's just being open now and there will be fallout all over the world from it, no doubt.
2: Yeah, and you can read about that in tomorrow's Sunday Independent. Samantha, thanks very much and well done again on the award. That was Samantha McCochran, who's uh, the business editor in the Sunday Independent, telling us about that breaking story about Wirecard there, which have gone bust, got a big Irish connection, one9 billion um you're listening to the bottom line it's just almost 19 minutes after uh, nine o'clock with you until 10 i just want to mention congratulations to county carlo chamber of commerce who during the week won the local authority collaboration award for their project uh, chamber trade connections and export to netherlands program and that was in the 2020 chamber awards so well done to everyone involved in carlo chamber there. Speaking of chambers, uh, a new president of Kilkenny Chamber of Commerce, Colin O'Hearn, has now been elected and commences his two-year term uh, following the AGM of Kilkenny Chamber of Commerce, which took place last Thursday virtually I think that was so lots going on in the local chambers and just time for a shout out to Kilkenny Walking Tours businesses everywhere are unlocking and returning to business and Kilkenny Walking Tours are returning on June 29th they've got a brand new website and you can now book online and all will be socially distanced and so on check out kilkennywalkingtours.ie just 20 minutes past 9 o'clock we're going to take a break back with a really interesting story about wearable data uh, being developed by a Carlock company.
1: The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell brought to you with
0: thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business (laughs) www.omf.ie KCLR Local at
1: Heart
2: Wow, that would wake you up all right. Local at heart indeed. Um, John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock this morning. Now, lots of really positive local businesses. <laughs> excuse me, lots of local uh, positive business stories going on at the moment. One that caught our eye here on the programme during the week was of carlo based RT Smart Data, who've launched technology solutions for physical distancing challenges, and God knows there's lots of them, for small and large businesses. Now, during the week, I caught up with Kieran Bulger, who's the Chief Financial Officer at RT Smart Data, and I started by asking him to tell me how the idea for the new product came about.
4: Yeah, so RT Smart Data came out I suppose, a COVID-19 response so a uh, couple of the founders, Sherry and, and the Martin, out for a walk and they just thought, wouldn't it be a great idea to have a like a wrist device that would be able to aid people uh, to tell them about the two metre social distancing. So obviously they spoke to some of the other uh, investors and founders in the business who come from a tech background um, and they developed and start thinking about UWB technology, which is ultra wideband. So that's a radio technology which transmits short pulses at a lower power level, and it can transmit information at faster data rates than Bluetooth, and then obviously consuming less battery power as well. So, like UWB, it, it, it's it's kind of a, it's becoming a mainstream technology. So Apple introduced a dedicated UWB chip in the iPhone 11 in 2019. Um, So the technology has the ability to detect distances down to a 10 centimeter accuracy. And it does that by detecting the time it takes for signals to travel between uh, connected devices. So, I mean, it was a very suitable solution to social distancing. um, And obviously, during lockdown, and we've all been online, um, getting in contact with suitable suppliers uh, across the world to be able to provide a solution. Um, so not only does uh, we provide social distancing solution, but also we're able to provide a solution for contact tracing where, you know, should an employee um, get sick with COVID-19, that we're in a position using the data from the devices um, to tell an employer uh, who the employees have been in contact with for, you know, uh, over 15 minutes and we can do that in both an individual case or on a cumulative basis for each employee and we provide dashboards and portals for companies to in order to be able to, to do that and
2: um, so pretty impressive um from idea when your founders were out for a walk to actually having the product uh really quick turnaround how's it going and who are your main targets yeah
4: the, the Targets in terms of, you know, we have a number of pilot schemes and uh, as you'll be aware, we're we're in with Sean Swan Electrical, uh, expert electrical there in Carlo and, you know, and it's it's a relatively small pilot, five to six devices there, but we've been there for the last number of weeks, you know, getting invaluable information, feedback and initially we were there just using the social distancing, so the subtle vibration um, on the device when you're within two meters And in the last number of weeks, we followed that up with the contact tracing. So we're looking at the information. We're talking to Sean what his requirements are for for his team as well. So in terms of target audience, yeah, we're looking at companies, um, you know, manufacturing, you know, the pharma construction, uh, retail businesses as well, where they have this requirement um, for a solution for both the social distancing
2: and the contact tracing. So a pretty huge potential audience, I would imagine. Uh, What next after rolling it out, getting the the product, you're piloting it, where do you bring it from here?
4: Yeah, like, you know, the potential is huge, but I mean, uh, coming from a financial background, you know, we want to do this well, as we say, go in under the radar, get it right, talk talk to and listen to your customers. It's not a case of, you know, taking out one of these devices and just handing it to the customer. And saying, there you go. Every customer is different. A retail customer is different to a manufacturing uh, customer. So, you know, we're happy to go in under the radar, start small, and see which we know the potential is huge. But you know, get it right and work with the clients because the UWB technology, you know, it has other applications which we hope to expand um, ourselves and also with the customers. It can be used for uh, geo-fencing, it can be access control, it can be used for clocking in and clocking out. There's health and safety features as well. So there's huge potential, but as I said, we want to kind of work with each client to see what their needs are.
2: That's Kieran uh, Bulger there of RT Smart Data. Really exciting uh, project going on with that company and we look forward to following their progress over the coming months. Uh, now, joining me on the line is another man from a local technology company. It's Brian Kelly, who's the founder of Mind a Client, who are a Kilkenny-based CRM company and a 100% Irish-owned. Brian, good morning. Good morning, John. Uh, tell us a bit, before we get into your uh, COVID-related uh, product, I suppose, tell us a bit about Mind a Client.
5: Um, we're, um, with, we're almost 18 years um, in existence. We're a company software company. We do client databases, CRM systems. Uh, so they give a bit of idea uh, of some of the sectors we work in. Uh, we work with hotels, uh, a variety of uh, sectors, hotels, plumbers, counsellors, HR companies, uh, cancer support services, and um, to give a bit of touch with local um, examples of companies we work with, um, we work with MacDonald Junction, the Kenny Chamber of Commerce, the um, Kenny Carlo ETB, Carlo Tool Mason Services, KFPCA, the um, so
2: who's who of local business and organisations? What kind of um services do you provide? CRM—it's—it's it's an acronym often bandied about, customer relationship management. Many aspects to it. Just give us a sense of the type of stuff that you do. Sure, if, um, if any... yeah,
5: it's, it's a real um, business buzzword, all right. CRM, but it's basically um a customer database and. Um, but I describe it as, as um, really using all the information you have about your customers to both um, increase sales and um, provide a better service. So it's, uh, it's amazing all the information that companies have about their clients but don't, uh, don't use it much and as uh, the previous speaker was saying, don't listen to their clients as much as can get their feedback and see what they want freely. So it's because an excellent tool that will kind of help provide a more professional service to your company, I would say.
2: Yeah, now you mentioned a lot of locally uh, based companies, but also you're working for some large institutions, both nationally and on an international basis. I was very um, interested to see uh, the Kilkenny link through uh, Mind a Client to uh, the Rhodes Scholarship Fund. That's
5: right. Um, We've worked with a number of Um, scholarship organisations and the um, Fulbright Commission is another one there, so we're using the, those um, scholarship funds, um, use the Mind of Client software They, with the Irish group. They, we're using it in um, Poland, Portugal um, and America. So about next uh, next Wednesday from Compton County we're providing training to people in um, Warsaw and users are going to be uh, using Mind Client, which is uh, amazing for the technology, the way it can all be managed remotely now.
2: Yeah, um, talking about remotely, um, you've launched a new product, uh, which was basically, I suppose, inspired. Now, remote working has always been a thing, but it's been sort of, the afterburners have been put on it by the COVID-19 uh, thing. You've a new product uh, to assist companies in remote working. Tell us about that. Um, early on, um, repair, we, uh, we moved home to, to work there, and
5: uh, we've a lot of trying to do the same, but especially, I suppose from our point of view, a software company should be able to work anywhere and we are with them. You think give clients a kind with them, which traditionally CRM would be used to manage clients, but um, what is needed now is more um, kind of help with managing and um, uh, coordinating the staff. Um, so it's uh, different when you have all the staff in an officer, uh, there but when they're all working remotely, it leads to... Um, uh, manage them, and um, what we're finding um, is less just saying I want to check that this person has been working for 35 hours or 40 hours a week, but more to see what they're actually doing with the thing there. So we've um, been developing uh, mind the client to be able to um, manage the staff as well as the client. So in practical terms, um, if I want to give uh, some of my staff or colleagues some of work to do, I would um, uh, then put it allocated to them. Uh, instantly it will appear on their PC, they get it on their phone as well, saying that there's some new tasks to be done. So I can monitor progress um, of what they're actually doing rather than just saying that, uh, yes, they're, they're working for 40 hours. So I think that's... I would certainly see that as an emerging trend, but it's more measuring the output of the work rather than just measuring the input Your people are actually doing rather than just how long are they sitting at their desk, particularly when they're sitting at home or in their in their kitchen working there so i think that's
2: something that was very good feedback from existing clients and some new clients as well um brian uh, you know it was can you see remote working getting more structured i think when it started off during the covid lockdown it was just kind of grab your laptop and run home and try and start phoning people and sending emails it's getting more structured now what kind of structure are people putting on it in your view
5: certainly putting, putting more systems and structures in place there, um, uh, looking after us, getting their uh, sorry, set up more, which is a, a legal requirement, a practical requirement of uh, making sure they're well set up and not just uh, uh, working on the sitting on the side of the bed or in their, in their, in their kitchen sink there, uh, so they're doing that. It's um, certainly, I suppose, uh, a trend uh, going back a few years, um, there's always companies, starting suppose, to it a little bit. Um, Going back around five years, it's interesting to see that a lot of large tech companies in America actually stopped some of the remote working that they felt there wasn't enough, um, I suppose, too to much social isolation and there was too much um, people who weren't kind of collaborating and working together as much. But I think um, a lot of the tools that have come about in recent recent years are helping that they can um, keep more in touch both with their, their employers and with each other, with all their... Um, Slack is a system that people can keep in touch with very easily, um, a, a piece of software. But um, a, a practical, I think that we've done, um, seven of us in the company, and um, today we have a, a virtual tea break. So uh, we have various meetings about the work there. We just have a, a on Zoom, we get together at 11 o'clock and just, uh, and just chat about non-work related items there. So I think that's a, kind of a small practical step we've taken to to uh, get around the social isolation of
2: working remotely okay brian well thanks very much for that that's brian kelly from kenny based company mind a client telling us about their new product called rebuild which is designed to make uh, the most of remote working and help companies get the best for it thanks very much brian for joining us and apologies a bit of a dodgy line there uh, with brian um and thanks for sticking with us we're going to take a break and we're back to talk about a really interesting local company called the willregister.ie don't go away
1: The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks
0: to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.omf.ie Local
3: at heart.
2: KCLR indeed. Uh, it's just 25 minutes to 10 o'clock. John Purcell with you until the top of the hour when Edward Hayden and the team on the Saturday show uh, join us to bring you through until 12. Lots going on today on KCLR including the draw, don't miss it uh, for the county championships and so on. Lots of people following with great interest and great to see sport getting back up and running. Now for most of us making a will is probably one of the most important documents that we will sign off during their lifetime yet on an almost daily basis law firms up and down the country will deal with lots of queries relating to actually that most simple thing where is the actual will is it in the drawer? Is it on the shelf? Is it under the carpet? Is it under a mattress? And so on. It's actually a huge, um, it's a huge issue because lots and lots of people can't find their wills or can't put their hands on it. And there's a new business uh, locally, which addresses just that issue. Earlier this week, I spoke to Joe Farrell, who, along with Simon McElwee, an entrepreneur, Mike Fraher, set up a company called the thewillregister.ie to provide an online will register began by asking Joe to tell me about the will register
6: the will register was the brainchild of Mike Fraher um, who is a local entrepreneur here um, it, like a lot of interesting concepts I suppose it, it, it arose from a, a personal experience he had he had executed his will with a solicitor and simply asked because he wasn't from this part of the country how would his family know as to its whereabouts and uh, that solicitor said to him, well, I suppose you'll have to tell them. And he was surprised he, he's involved in the environmental and technological side. And he um, was of the opinion that this is certainly a, a niche or a, 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 a need in the market whereby somebody's will could be registered as to its
2: whereabouts. And Ireland is so, unusual in as much as we're one of the only countries or one of the few countries in the developed world that doesn't have such a service.
6: It seems that way. Um, A lot of our neighbours have will registries in place. I suppose one of the big things is that there's no state-provided central register of wills. Um, So the state haven't come on board on this. They have in other countries. We've looked abroad, we've looked at New Zealand, Australia, we've looked at the UK, we've looked at a lot of places. Um, And the state-provided, and sometimes there's private enterprise, provides uh, a will registry. I suppose, if, if you take any of these ideas into practical terms, um, let's just say that somebody passes away um, and people are saying, well, I, I knew he had spoken about having a will, but I'm not sure who his solicitor was, or I'm not sure whether he had the will himself or she had the will herself. So what you do find quite a bit is that this isn't a case of solving a need where people have lost wills. It's not really a losing thing. Um, most offices are quite organized, most people are quite organized. But this is down where people would not have the knowledge. So um, I know that there was a will, but I don't know who her solicitor was. So you send a letter or an email to every solicitor in County Carlow or County Kilkenny looking for the whereabouts of a will. So I suppose it'll cut out that. Um, and, and, and if you think about it, this is a very distressing time for people when they've lost somebody. Um, and if you can cut out as any distress within that, all the better because there's enough on people's plates at those kind of times.
2: A very simple idea, what's the business model?
6: Business model is simple, I suppose the more, the more locations of wills that we can get onto our database, uh, the better it's going to be for everybody. So if you ask any solicitor, have they received in the last week, a query from another solicitor's office as to the whereabouts of a will? Every solicitor will tell you yes. I myself, I reckon I get at least one a day, either email or a, a letter asking me, do I know the whereabouts of a will? So in terms of the business model, it's like any database. The more people put onto this database, the stronger the database and the product is. And um, at the moment, it's free to search to see the location of a will. Um, and in terms of the business model, each, each person who registered as a will, the, the cost on that is 40 euros which uh, depending on where you get a drink, I suppose, it's a round of drinks. Um, And what we would anticipate and what we hope happens is that it will become the norm. So somebody executes a will, the solicitor informs them of the will register, um, and they say, yeah, you guys work away, Um, register that for me. And then you've got people's consent, and it's pretty straightforward from there. So it'll take a while for, for it to become the new norm, but it's certainly something everybody benefits from and it's it's nice to be instead of hawking a a product where you're trying to convince somebody of the benefit for them it's it's a patent patently obvious benefit for people as to the whereabouts of their will and in ireland not dissimilar, I suppose, to a lot of places, people are always worried in terms of who will know my business. That is a very significant question. This is only the location of a will. This will not have the content of a will. It will not have the will itself. So literally all you're doing is you're registering to say, I, Joe Farrell, have registered, have have executed a will and I have left it in the offices of Farrell-McAleary solicitors. And if somebody goes on to update their will or they move house or move to a different part of the country, they do another will, their circumstances change, then they register to say that I no longer have it in Farrell-McAleary solicitors, I have it in Joe Bloggs' office down in Cork.
2: And you can register a will as an individual or a solicitor can register it on your behalf?
6: Either are, either are. So we have the facility there for somebody to get on and register their own wills as well. Um, we would always not that we would always but as a solicitor I, I, I've seen more cases end up in court in respect of homemade wills um, people if they just put a call through to a solicitor's office and get a quote for a will um, they'll realise that it's quite cost effective um, you know you're probably talking somewhere between 200 up maybe for a will um, depending on how complicated or uncomplicated it is if you add 40 euros to that fee you know you know of your will executed a bit of certainty in terms of what happens afterwards and the 40 euros means that nobody's going to miss the will
2: that's Joe Farrell there from the a newly uh, formed local company with national uh, potential and we look forward to following that over the coming months as well great new businesses starting up even in the midst of all the challenges we faced with the COVID message in saying well done to Brian and his team at Carlo Chamber and also congratulations to Colin great to see the hotels back too and many people looking forward to visiting them and that came in from Emer. Emer, thank you very much, hope you're well, enjoyed the weekend, um, now we're going to move on and we're going to talk about Another great local story. Um, Kira Herity is a Cork woman who is now living in Ennisnag and in May she received the prestigious RSVP Businesswoman of the Year award from that uh, well-known and popular magazine RSVP. Good morning, Kira.
0: Good morning. How are
2: you? Very well, thanks. Tell us about your business.
0: Yeah, so um, lovegreen.ie, it's a website that has consumers find, shop and connect with Irish-owned businesses. So basically users can go on, they can select the category they're looking for. And we've over 60 categories from fashion to baby products, food and drink, special occasions um, and all that. And then they select their county and hit search. So any Irish business under that category who's either based in that county or delivers in that county will show. And then the user can just browse through their business profiles and which show what they do, their location, opening hours, contact details, photo gallery and links to their website and social media pages. And then if the user wants, they can also filter their search by tags. So let's say if they're looking for somewhere that has free parking or that's wheelchair accessible, um, if, or if they're looking for like eco-friendly products, vegan products, gluten-free products and all that, they can filter their search.
2: Yeah, and, and you grew it out of another site that you had launched uh, previously, a couple of months previously. Uh, and obviously that other site was aimed at GA clubs. And we know during the lockdown, um, the GAA lockdown, like everybody else. But that stood you in good stead when it came to launching this one?
0: It did, yeah, so um, yeah. So, to start last year I had the idea for clubbook.ie um, and that helped GA managers and players find GA suppliers, professionals and venues, um, so they can go on and find playing equipment, training equipment, physios, referees, nutritionists um, and that took almost a year to build and it took a lot of money so finally we launched in February this year and then four weeks later the pandemic hit, so all GA was postponed, nobody needed to use the website, nobody needed to register on the website um, and that was it, it was just kind left sitting there so I knew obviously the GM was going to be back up and running at some stage so it was just kind of a waiting game and then a couple of weeks into lockdown I could see local businesses were kind of reaching out to customers on social media asking them to you know not to forget them and to remember them when when all this is over um, and to support them and then I saw one tweet (coughs) excuse me I saw one tweet in particular um, from a girl, a small business owner, and she basically wanted to thank the person who purchased something from her website because it meant she had groceries for the week. Um, And that kind of stuck with me. And then I was thinking, right, is there anything I can do to help these businesses? Like, my own background is in business development um, and sales and marketing. And then I thought, right, I've got this website sitting there why don't I just open her up to Irish businesses um, during the pandemic just to kind of support them a bit and then, sure, when all this is over, I can just go back to having it for GA. So I rang, I rang um, Andre, my website developer from New House Design, said it to him. He loved the idea. He thought, let's just leave Clubbook as it is and um, start this new website, Daddy, and it was up and live within about 10 days.
2: Fantastic. And how's it going, Kira?
0: It's flying, <laughs> thankfully. So, like, I check the website analytics every day, um, and since we launched on May 1st, we've over 250 irish businesses registered we've six and a half thousand website visitors almost 40 thousand web page views um and i thought like most of our um, most of our users come from our instagram page which seems to be flying and like i get a lot of messages and dms from people saying oh i came across your website i love it it's been something i've been looking for delighted to support irish and telling me what they bought and who they bought from and stuff so it's, it's good to see that, that it seems to be working
2: yeah, and you—you um, you must have been uh, pleased to win the RSVP uh, Businesswoman of the Month for me. That was nice.
0: Yeah, that was nice, yeah. Um, so um, one of the girls from RCP got in touch. At um, like that, she said she'd come across my my Instagram page um, and just kind of wanted to chat. And I told her about the business and what we're doing and the aim and that. Um, and yeah, she, um, she, they awarded me that. Um, I think it was for, it was for June. Um, so we had just launched in May, so we were literally only up oh, for Oh, yeah. Uh, no, no so we were literally up for about four weeks when I got that. So yeah, I, I was delighted.
2: And I know you're a big fan of podcasts and audiobooks. You have a great positive attitude. Who gives you inspiration and what kind of mottos or mantras kind of drive you on.
3: Yeah,
0: um, like Like, I love listening to entrepreneurs and I love listening to their story and how they started. Um, And like um, like this one podcast in particular, How I Built This by Guy Raz, and he basically interviews, you know, the top entrepreneurs, um, all the big businesses, and they tell their story. And like, what's great about it is their story always starts from them having, you know, nothing, whether it's no experience or no money, or, uh, you know, just had this idea and how they built it to where it was. So it's very, um, I suppose, inspiring for people who are into business and who are looking to start a business because it just shows that you know everybody started from somewhere. Um and like he as I said, there's so many interviews on that. I would highly recommend people um, who are interested in starting a business go have a listen because it kind of reassures you as well. Because when you're starting a business, you go through so many bumps in the road and there's so many obstacles. And it's it's very easy to get knocked back and kind of go, Right, am I doing the right thing or what do I do now? Um, so by like that, by listening to entrepreneurs and, and the I suppose the, the blocks that they've stumbled upon and, and the issues that they Overcome
2: it's it's reassuring to you know, right? If they got through it, I can get through it, and this is what I'll do. So, excellent, Kira. Great talking to you, and best of luck uh, with lovegreen.ie and your other website uh, coming out from hibernation after the lockdown as well. If
0: that's it, yeah. Um, that's what I'm hearing all about the championship draw- draws being made now and stuff. Um, so I'll, uh, I'll have to get my Clubbook hat back on. Uh, but no, I actually spoke to my web developer yesterday about it. Um, so like that, we're going to have to have a look at that now and get that back up and running. And we've actually some really good features on Love Green, which we can now transfer over to Clubbook. So both websites are kind of making each other better, uh, which is great. So uh, yeah.
2: Fantastic. Well, best of luck with it all, Kira, And we look forward to keeping up to date with your uh, business success. That's Kira Herity there telling us about Love Green which was launched by her during the pandemic only launched in may and she already received uh, an award rsvp.ie businesswoman of the month for this month june great story we'll be back with another great local business story after this break
1: the bottom line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, offering a broad range of
0: business and advisory services to businesses large and small across the southeast. KCLR. Local at heart. Local at
2: heart. Local at heart indeed. John Purcell with you on the bottom line. It's just nine minutes to ten o'clock. Edward Hayden just limbering up and getting ready uh, to come in and join you just after the ten o'clock news so do stay tuned. Lots to listen to. Now going back a number of months it seems like a long long time ago now at the Covid remove but there was Careers uh, Kilkenny which was a fantastic uh, expo in the Medieval Mile Museum over Christmas time and one of the companies there was Loner uh, and to the co-founder and ceo john duggan we spoke to him at the time and the company was going from strength to strength and i'm glad to say that despite the covid and despite everything loan it continues to go from strength to strength good morning john morning john how are you very well thanks very much uh before we go into your latest uh launch which is Kuiper, tell us about loan and how it came about and what you do
1: Yes, yeah, so Alona was founded by myself and uh, Boric, uh, I suppose, out of the, seeing the challenges of applying for credit um, from our own experience of working with inside, inside the banks. And uh, we founded the company, well, we, we, we originally went into the local enterprise office. It's probably just a little over 12, 15 months ago now, February, February March of, of last year. And from there, uh, and with their great help, we we eventually launched the market in November. And since November, it's just been a, a bit of a whirlwind. To be honest, we 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 just gone from strength to strength, and uh, we're now handling finance uh, exclusively for about 150 garages across Ireland, and that number continues to grow week on week. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it, it, we're 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 now. Um, the largest uh, credit intermediary in car finance in
2: Ireland. Now explain to us what credit intermediary means and what you need to do to make that happen.
1: So we, we, we effectively uh, apply for credit on behalf of the consumer. So our, our, um, for our garages across Ireland you wouldn't necessarily hold a credit intermediary license or, uh, or, or can apply for, for finance for the consumer we would do that on on their behalf so the consumers that go into the garages and want to buy a car uh, and want to finance that car that garage then would entrust us to handle the finance um so once we pick up the application from the consumer we would work with uh, uh, multiple lenders across ireland and we ensure that the customer would then get the best value and and really takes the the pain uh, of, of, of doing that process from the consumer, and it also ensures that they get the best value, right? So there's nothing more cumbersome than having to buy, and most people don't because of that, to multiple lenders um, to look for value on the market. So it becomes a very easy process using loaners.
2: So you're taking the pain out of a very bureaucratic uh, process. That's your core business. Presumably, this is something that can scale up. You know, it's not just uh, garages that need loan intermediaries. How big can this core business get, in your view?
1: Yeah, so we, we, we are, as I said, uh, we have grown very quickly to be the largest uh, credit intermediary in Cock Islands in Ireland. Um we're, we're, we're onboarding garages uh, uh, every week, every day as such now. Um, we are now looking as well at launching um, more B2C, so 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 directly to the consumer and allowing the consumer apply directly to us. So not necessarily they have to go to the garage, but they can actually just log on to Lona.ie and they can uh, apply directly to us. And we're, we're looking into Europe with this uh, the start of uh, start of next year as well we're looking to to branch into Europe this technology that we have built is applicable and, and can be dropped in, in into Europe so that's what we will we will now move on with with loan. It.
2: yeah and Kuiper is a new thing that you're launching and talking about taking the pain out of um, applications for loans and so on people will be familiar with having to produce bank statements and copies of bank statements. that's the space that Kuiper is targeting.
1: Yeah, so Kuiper is our new our, our new product um, and uh, sits under aloneness, but I- in itself is, is a standalone product. Um, Kuiper is a little different in that it, it's purely a technology product. Kuiper does provide uh, uh, for aloneness as well, but Kuiper removes any need for documentation in a credit application process. Anyone listening or anyone would know the pain of having to apply for a mortgage or whether it's a mortgage car, a loan or whatever it might be, um, the the most annoying part of that process is having to uh, provide bank statements to uh, to a lender. What we are able to do now, or technology that we have built, is that uh, for the likes of an AIB or a Bank of Ireland, um, they cannot uh, if. if, if if they are uh, receiving an application from a customer who is not their own, the first thing they have to do is ask for a bank statement. What we allow them to do with our technology is remove that. They can automatically uh, have access to that information. So it's transformational for the industry. It's, the, uh, it's going to be uh, certainly uh, a big change for the credit application process for, for products right across Ireland. And we're hoping right across Europe um, the you know we're, we're, we would hope that I suppose unknowingly maybe uh, people will will at some part of the credit application process be using our technology Kuiper uh, at some part of that process
2: yeah and and companies like this, you're in the fintech space as I mentioned, you need technologists, you need people to drive this forward, and you're recruiting at the moment for your Kilkenny office.
1: We are, we are. We're always recruiting. Um, it's we've come a long way from when when we met at Careers Fair. We only had uh, I think there was there was three of us. Uh, we've now grown to ten, and that will double by the end of end of the year.
2: That was just six um, months ago. L- remind it listeners, was, it
1: was. Yeah, yeah, it was. We were we're busy, um, but uh, yeah, we met a, We met a, a, a very big appointment a, a, a number of months ago. We we hired the ex global head of development for Citibank. Um, and, uh, you know, Citibank being obviously the fifth largest bank in the world. So he's our head of technology, Pete Doyle, um, and that's, that's a big appointment for us. And now, you know, we're, we're going to grow from that, and we're looking for all types of of, of roles looking to be filled. There's uh, We're looking for developers. Uh, we're still looking for financial uh, advisors as well, and uh, analytics and, and, and lots of different
2: roles. Okay, well, John, best of luck. Unfortunately, we've run out of time on that. Presumably, people can uh, find details on your website.
1: Yes, uh, there's, uh, uh, and of course, if looking for a car loan, uh, so that's loanit.ie and hyper.com uh, then as well as the technology arm.
2: Okay, thanks very much. That's John Dug- Duggan, who's co-founder and CEO of Loanit. Uh, Loanit. Uh, and he mentioned the website, loanit.ie or kuiper.com. Do check it out. Unfortunately, that's all we've got time for this week. There's no bottom line for the next two weeks, but we'll be back with you again on July the 18th. If you've got any suggestions for companies or issues you'd like to see us cover or you've got any feedback back for us, please do get in touch. You'll get us at the bottom line at Laura 96 fmcom Thanks to all our guests this morning. Samantha McCochran, Kieran Bulger, brian kelly joe farrell kira herity and john duggan special thanks to deirdre drummy who produces the program and whose infinite patience good humor and organizational ability makes it all so much easier so until we speak again look after yourselves wash your hands keep your distance and stay safe enjoy the weekend and i hope i'll talk to you again soon
1: The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you in association with O'Neill Foley Accountants.
3: Our website, onf.ie, shows the full range of services we provide to businesses large and small.